Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the 20th Century Girls podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So, yes, we're finally back again with another episode, and we have a this week. It is another birthday episode. Last time we had you guys guessing what two uh, Golden Era stars we would be celebrating this month. And the first one is Miss Audrey Hepburn. Yes. Guys, I've been waiting for this episode, too. <laughs> As you know, definitely one of Megan's top favorite actresses of all time. She was my number three. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to our top three actors and actresses episode. Uh, but yeah, Audrey was my number three favorite actress of the golden age of Hollywood. Which um, this whole podcast is about. The golden age of Hollywood. Yes love that all right so we're just gonna jump right in and learn about her wonderful and interesting life yeah she did have quite an interesting life here um so yeah audrey hepburn was born on may 4th 1929 uh she was born audrey kathleen i don't know if i'm gonna say this right Rustin? Rustin? How would you... Like that, yeah. Something like that. Um, Just however you can say it. <laughs> however it goes. Uh, two, uh, her mother was Baroness Van Hemstra. Uh, she was a Dutch noblewoman. Baroness? Yeah. I hear Baroness and instantly I think Sound of Music. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, and then her father... Uh, was Joseph Victor Anthony Rustin, who was just a British subject. So both her parents were married before, um, but obviously, considering those marriages did not work out, uh, so they eventually uh, got married, and uh, her father ended up wanting a more aristocratic-sounding name, um, probably just because he was just a British subject, basically. Uh, and he mistakenly believed himself to be related to some some ro- some royal family something. Uh, their last name was Hepburn. So eventually, oh. uh, Audrey became Audrey Kathleen Hepburn Rusted. I'm so sorry if I'm saying this wrong, you guys. Again, uh, so yeah. he so he just came up with that name pretty much. He's like, oh, these people over there have it. Maybe I'm related to them. He thought he was related to them, I guess, and just decided, I'm going to adapt their name. Okay, then. That's a very, very famous name now. Apparently, that's something you can do, or at least you could do back in the 20s. But yeah, so her parents are married in 1926 and of September 1926, and three years later... Like we said, May 4th in Brussels, Belgium, Audrey was born. It's been said uh, by people who have wrote about her and talked about her that she had a privileged life growing up, obviously, up until World War II, which we will get into a little bit later. Um, just because her, you know, she had both her parents. They had money, like. She was able to do all these different things. Um, she ended up learning uh, several different languages, actually. 
Uh, she learned Dutch and English from her parents and later went on to learn how to speak French, German, Spanish, and Italian. Which... That's so cool. I don't, I don't know how you can remember so many languages, but... I barely speak I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I, I can speak Spanish and English. I have. It's been a long time. Shout out to Duolingo. I started learning German a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time. I need to get back into it. But I would love to learn so many languages. So that's so cool that she can. She was so fluent in five. Yeah. Amazing. Honestly, I've always wanted to still learn Spanish, but it's such a, it's a lot <laughs> My dad listens to these po- listens to these podcasts, and when he hears me say that, he's gonna be like, "Okay, but, like I'll teach you Spanish." Uh-huh. Like, no, <laughs> I mean Spanish is one of the easier languages to learn. Thank you for throwing that in my face. <laughs> so, I mean, I grew up with like speaking Spanish and stuff, so I can't say for sure. It's never been a foreign language to me. Well, it's a foreign language to but... me. <laughs> I took like three years of Spanish, didn't learn a thing. Um. Anyway, back to Audrey. Wonderful, wonderful job. So when Audrey was about six, uh, her father ended up moving into London uh, because he got really involved in the fascism movement that was starting to come about uh, right before World War II. Um, And she honestly didn't really see her father too much more after that. Although she actually did um, support her father up until he died. Like, she financially supported him and everything. Um, But in 1937, she was sent to Kent, England uh, to start school. Uh, But her parents divorced about a year after that, uh, 1938. So in this next portion, we're going to move into World War II, which I know Christina is very excited for. I don't want to say yay because that's bad. It's bad, but since elementary school, I've always been so fascinated with World War II history. I'm pretty sure it started with Anne Frank, um, but I just that that era. I mean, and it's all still the golden age of Hollywood too. Yeah, it's it's all a it's an interesting mix of everything, kind of. It's a mix of like history, like world history, basically, because you learn about how the world went for all these different places because everywhere was different um and it's just it's crazy to think like the things that happened then was actually real life but it was still different for everyone in the world like apart from pearl harbor we were not attacked um yeah and just there's a show called man in the high castle on amazon prime i've been wanting to watch it i haven't gotten to it yet but it's um like of not not a fantasy but it's like what if hitler and the japanese won the war what would the rest of the world be like today and i'm just like oh that would well, be so interesting to see it's interesting and terrifying at the same yeah. time <laughs> yeah uh, i mean hitler would have been dead no matter what for our life term but what could have sure, happened but... after yeah would he that's... have a kid that would have taken control or would he have been overthrown like who knows but yeah, I've just I've always been very fascinated with that. Like that is my favorite type of history is World War II. So in 1939, Britain declared war on Germany. And so then her mother brought her back to the Netherlands, hoping that that country would be safe and stay a neutral country during the war. If you know history, it did not. No. <laughs> um, 
But during that time, um, Audrey was still okay. Uh, They weren't heavily affected yet. Um, But Audrey attended the Arnhem Conservatory from 1939 to 1945, and that's where she started her ballet lessons. But, of course, ding, 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 1940, Germany declared, or sorry, invaded the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And so she actually changed her name to Edda von Heemstra because it's more of a a Dutch slash German name. It is more um, of a Dutch name. It actually uh, comes yeah. from her mom. So, yeah. So, um, because at that time, an English surname was much more threatening because England was against Germany. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so interesting. I've heard stories when I was doing my research. I didn't find anything about it, but I've heard stories that some um, it's possible that they helped Jews or they housed Jews secretly, which of course, if they were ever caught doing that, they would have been killed by the Nazis. Um, I don't think there's proof. I know people have done research on it. I don't, I don't know how true it was. definitive proof. Um, mm-hmm. There's also, there is a proof that uh, she actually did do silent uh, like dance performances. Yes. Uh, money for the Dutch resistance, but she never really participated in the resistance. She just did like basically like secret ballet performances to help Mm -hmm. raise money, sort of thing. I mean, that's still something because, of course, I mean, she was a kid. What is it, 1940s here? She was a very young teenager, if a teenager yet. Yeah. I think she was about 11, which is crazy Mm because think about what you were doing when you were 11. Exactly. (laughs) In the middle of war, like they're in the middle of war. Yeah. And yeah, crazy. Um, so, but eventually later on, her family was affected during the occupation. Um, so her and her mother moved to Velt, Netherlands, where her grandfather lived. And I believe that's more kind of in the countryside. So it's a little bit more away from the fighting. So they're, they were pretty much safer there. They're safe from the fighting. Yeah. I would say. They're not safe I mean, from everything. <laughs> I mean, Nazis occupied all of Netherlands, Where just like other countries at, this, at, at that time. <laughs> yes, but um, but yeah, at least from like the main town where everything was really going on. Then yeah. So again, if you know history of World War Two, um, the countries that were occupied, um, including Russia, suffered mm-hmm. so much with famine and. There's just no jobs. People were poor. Like no food. I would say it's the Great Depression, but worse, um, at least on their side. Not saying the Great Depression wasn't bad. It was awful for us. But I I think every area was a little bit different. Like even here in the U.S., like during World War II times, like you, there were some things that were rationed. There wasn't as much things like sugar and things like that. But, you know, over there and in different areas, like they definitely had it. Mm-hmm. A lot worse. I can't remember what it was for sure, but I think a lot of people started to make flour out of a plant. I might be getting mm-hmm. it completely wrong. You can research it. It is online. And um, that's how they would start eating their bread. And I guess overall, if you ate too much of that, it's technically poisonous to the human body. So unfortunately... She suffered malnutrition after the war, and not just her, like, the whole city, the whole country. Yeah. Many people suffered from that because of the famine at the time. 
Yeah. And that, like, malnutrition could really cause, like, a whole bunch of other issues just in general. Mm Because even from the malnutrition that she had, she ended up developing anemia, respiratory issues. Um, So it just, it just affected everything, basically. Yeah. And that's why she was always so skinny. I read somewhere, I don't know if it was true or not, but of course she does look anorexic. I'll just say it right there. She does. She looks um, very, she's very, she's smaller compared to the typical women of the time. Yeah. But here you go. She, she suffered from World War II effects and was malnutrition basically for her whole life. Yeah. Um, but I did read that somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but she never gained more than a hundred pounds or she always was under a hundred pounds her whole life apart from when she was pregnant. I'm like, that's crazy. Because she wasn't short either, I don't think. I think she was at least 5'5", five, 5'7". Five, five, I'm not too sure. She doesn't look too short. In, I mean, she doesn't... Most of the actresses at the time were considered, like, somewhere between, like, 5'5", five, five to, like, 5'7"-ish. Five, five, seven, seven yeah. So, I mean, she's not, like, the tallest actress of the time. Yeah. But she's definitely... She's small and she's petite. Yes. Basically. So, because, I mean, you look at her and that's just what you think of, really. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. It, that just goes to show you never know. So, yeah. So, so now, if you're wondering, it is because she was malnutritioned. For um, the first parts of her life. Yeah. But, of course, that had after effects. That, that yeah, affects that her affected, whole body. That affects everything. Mm-hmm. For how much that they consume. Like I said, it's practically poison for your body. So, it yeah. did affect her later on. But continuing, in 1945, once World War II was over, she continued her ballet studies and moved to Amsterdam um, to study under teachers from the Dutch National Ballet, which uh-huh. is very exciting. <laughs> for me, I'm a ballerina. I don't remember if I, I'm sure I mentioned it in past episodes, but yes, I'm a ballerina. So I'm just like, wow, Dutch National Ballet. So cool. <laughs> Oh, man. I was like, when I was reading all the ballet stuff, I was like, she's going to get a kick out of this. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah. No, after the war, they did live in Amsterdam for a bit. Um, Obviously, the family was affected. They basically lost all their money. Just all Mm -hmm. of it was gone at that point. Uh, Her mother, uh, she ended up working as, like, a cook and a housekeeper. um, Like, almost for the people who, like, she used to be friends with, basically. So, like, for wealthy people, she ended up taking jobs like that just so that she could, like, keep putting Audrey through her ballet studies and everything like that. Um, she eventually uh, made her first film debut in Dutch in Seven Les- Lessons, sorry, which was an educational travel film. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a flight stewardess. Yeah, just something small. I would love to find that, honestly. Oh, yeah, and Audrey Hepburn. That'd be so cool, honestly, to, like, see Audrey Hepburn before she was Audrey Hepburn, sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, But, yeah, so eventually she moved to London after she accepted a scholarship uh, for ballet. Uh, She eventually dropped the uh, Rustin, again, not going to pronounce that correctly. Uh, she dropped that last name and just started going by Audrey Hepburn, as we know, uh, and decided to concentrate on acting. So not as much ballet, but 
you know. And actually, the reason for that, yeah. Um, once she was there, she she had the talent, but in order, um, be, due to her malnutrition issues, she wouldn't be able to perform as a prima ballerina because of the constant hard work and stress that her body would have to go through. So pretty much her stamina and strength would never be achieved to become a prima ballerina. I think she still could have done it. She could have been a professional ballet dancer, maybe up to a soloist. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like if prima is what she really wanted, then yeah, unfortunately that was unattainable for her. But I think if she really wanted to be a ballerina, she could have gone to a soloist position or demi soloist which is just below a soloist she could have kept doing it i think but if she did then we may have never seen her on film we would have never gotten audrey hepburn the actress that exactly we, that we know and love uh <laughs> but yeah so her first uh major supporting role at least was in The Secret People, and she played a ballerina, funny enough. (laughs) Um, She was then offered a small role in a movie called Monte Carlo Baby, uh, which apparently did shoot in Monte Carlo, which sounds really cool. And then she was later cast in the Broadway show Gigi. Um, So... She had never actually uh, spoken on a stage before, so she ended up having to have uh, private coaching when she got the role, basically. But the show opened at the Fulton Theater uh, in, on November 24th, 1951. Um, she was praised for the role, basically. People uh, had more criticism for the show itself because... Mm-hmm. Basically, they kept on saying that the show was not nearly as good as the movie. Um, I guess it was a French movie beforehand. Um, oh, interesting. But Audrey Hepburn was not, like, digged for Basically, they were like, she's amazing. The play sucks. <laughs> One of those sort of things. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Uh, but she ended up receiving the Theater World Award for this role. I don't really know too much about that. But... <laughs> um, so the show ran for 219 performances on Broadway, uh, then closed on May 31st, 1952 to tour, and then eventually closed for, like, for sure, sure, on uh, May 16th, 1953 in San Francisco. So, in 1953, Audrey got her first starring role in Roman Holiday opposite of Gregory Peck. Now, at this time, Gregory Peck was already a big name. Mm-hmm. So, this is big. Like, Audrey's still kind of a nobody apart from that one this is her show first, that she did. This is basically her first real role yes. in a movie. <laughs> and actually, the producers wanted Elizabeth Taylor initially, but the director ended up really loving Audrey's screen test. And in addition to that, she got some extra support from her co-star, Mr. Gregory Peck, who gave the idea to have her as equal billing Mm-hmm. Because he knew that she would be a big star someday. And yes. I'm like, wow, that's cool. I got to write that note down. <laughs> yes. I loved, I found a quote during that and I loved it because they, people were like, no, you're the, you're the name. 
mm-hmm. like you're Gregory Peck. We're gonna plaster your name all over this. She can get a introducing. Yeah, like one, you're new. Two, yeah. <laughs> you're a girl. Yeah, obviously Gregory Peck's gonna be the name. But now nowadays, if you think about it, it's Audrey Hepburn, and who's the guy opposite of her? I didn't know it was Gregory Peck. I haven't, I, I haven't I, seen the movie yet, but it's a pretty good movie. It's you can tell it's one of her first roles, mm-hmm. but I mean it's Audrey. She does amazing no matter what. It's and one of those movies too where like um, I feel like to... they know Audrey Hepburn because of Roman Holiday, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and then Roman Holiday. I Breakfast feel are, are like the top two. Roman Holiday was definitely the first one, like mm-hmm. to really get her out there though. That's yeah. for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, she ended up actually winning a uh, Best Actress that year at the Oscars, Golden Globes, and the Baf- BAFTAs. I think that's what that is. I don't know exactly. <laughs> yes, it's British award shows. Um, and yeah. And then after that, I believe her next really big role was uh, Sabrina, I believe. I think mm-hmm. that was her next big role. That one was uh, with... Uh, William Holden. So, <laughs> Bill um, Holden. But yeah, so Megan already that, knows exactly what I'm thinking. I know exactly. We, dear Lucy later. fans, that's all. That's all. You, that's all you need to know. If you're later. a Lucy fan, you know. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so after this, she was signed for a seven-picture contract with Paramount, with. 12 months in between films to allow her to continue on stage work, actually, which I found super interesting, actually. That Um, is because, I mean, I don't know for sure, but out of like all the research I've done on just films in general today and in the past and kind of like what we mentioned back in the day with Olivia de Havilland and I believe it was Betty Davis trying to break the studio system. mm -hmm. They work you so hard. Like you get a minimum three pictures a year at the studio and then if you have time if you want you could do theater on the side so this was pretty crazy that they're like one picture a year for seven years that i don't know that's crazy to me i'm like wow they must have really liked her and wanted her in order to give her that oh she's the one that wanted to stay with theater too yeah Yeah, that's big. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. So, actually, a couple things I'd forgotten to mention because I'm a nutcase. Um, So, actually, before Roman Holiday, she had actually gotten engaged. Um, So, in 1952, she got engaged to an industrialist named James Hansen. Uh, But they ended up deciding to call it off because it was... She knew that it was going to be too much strain, basically, on uh, the marriage because she was just starting to kick off with her career. Again, at this point, she probably had already booked Roman Holiday or she was auditioning for roles like this. So she ended up deciding that, you know, she didn't want to get married at that point. She wanted to, as she put it, uh, when she got married, she wanted to really be married and be able to have that life. Um, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. So after Roman Holiday, and I assume after she got that seven-picture deal, um, she ended up going to a cocktail party thrown by Mr. Gregory Peck and met her first husband, Mel 
Farrier. I'm pretty sure I said that wrong, but I'm going to go with it. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And they ended up deciding to collaborate on, I'm not sure if this is a movie or a play, you guys. Um, And I'm pretty sure I'm going to say this wrong, too. Uh, on a play or movie, whichever one it is, called Ondine. Pretty sure I didn't. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I hope I'm saying it okay. Um, yeah, I can't help you out with that one. I have no <laughs> clue. But I am um, pretty sure it is a play because in 1954, she was um, one of three actresses to win an Oscar and a Tony Award for the same year. And Roman Holiday and Ondine on dime however you say it <laughs> came out in the same year so it makes sense. i'm pretty sure it's a play it makes sense on to me so way. i'm gonna go with it yes uh and they were married on september 25th 1954 eight months after they had met um which is insane to me but okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then while preparing to star in another film together uh, War and Peace, actually, they had their son, Sean Hepburn Fer- Farrier. Really, I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Uh, in 1955. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to jump back into her uh, career. Just because in 1955, she also won the Golden Globe for World Film Favorite. Which mm. I think is very well deserved. Well done. She's amazing. She's Audrey Hepburn. Um, <laughs> she's Audrey Hepburn. Um, and then a couple years after that, she obviously did more roles and movies and things like that. But the next film that probably 90, at least 95% of people know Audrey Hepburn for is Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Which, as we know, is my number five favorite classic Hollywood movie. Um so yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's came out in 1961. Uh, it is loosely based on a Truman Capote novella, novella, sorry, uh, of the same name. Uh, but funny enough, Truman Capote didn't like the movie. He didn't like the movie, and he originally didn't like that Audrey Hepburn was cast. Huh. Um, he wanted Marilyn Monroe. Ooh. Which. <laughs> I think it would have been a very different movie. Oh, definitely. Had uh, Marilyn Monroe got the part, obviously. Again, I mean, blondes I and brunettes. It's basically gentlemen prefer blondes there. Oh, goodness. I love that movie, too. Um, but, yeah, no. But funny enough, he originally wanted Marilyn Monroe, but he later praised uh, Audrey Hepburn's uh, performance and everything. Because, again, that role is so... It's iconic. Mm-hmm. Her black I, dress. Yes. Everyone is. knows it's breakfast. At t- Even if you don't know Audrey Hepburn is the actress, you know that dress. Yeah. it was. You just know it. It's the most famous little black dress ever. Like, mm-hmm. it is It is replicated on Halloween for years and years and years and years to come. I, her, I would love to recreate that dress one day. <laughs> That'd be fun. That whole outfit. Oh, my goodness. If I was still brunette, like, that would have been so perfect. <laughs> um, that would be real fun, yeah. Goodness. It's I, so... I did find a quote that I quite liked. Um, if you don't know people, like, in the acting industry, a lot of people are actually introverts and shy. 
Like, yes. even though they're playing these crazy characters, <laughs> like, if you find, if you know the real person, like, they're very, usually can be very opposite from the character they're playing. So Audrey Hepburn was a big introvert um, mm-hmm. in real life. And she said that playing the extroverted girl in Breakfast at Tiffany's was the hardest thing she ever had to do. But it's crazy because that is literally the defining role mm-hmm. of her life. Yeah, I feel like like actors do their best work when they play characters that they're not like at yeah. all. It's like it, it's the complete opposite of her, mm-hmm. to be fair. But at the same time, like you know, Audrey Hepburn for Breakfast, it, like oh, hundred percent, yeah, yeah. It's just something you again. You may not know that is Audrey Hepburn, but you know Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yep. At least like, at least that that opening dress, that opening. That opening scene. <laughs> yep. Ugh, God, it's just perfect. It's just mm-hmm. perfect. Um, that's going to be another film review one day. Just know. Of course. <laughs> I of love course. that movie. That's so a classic. Much. We have to. And of course, she was nominated for Best Actress for her role in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, so, skewing into this next movie, um, one thing I've never really mentioned on here is I love, like, Hollywood drama. Hmm. I Who adore doesn't? It. <laughs> I love when things have, like, a crazy backstory and, like, there's just some crazy chaos that goes around and then there's the drama of it all. I feel bad because this one is at the expense of Audrey Hepburn, but it's, it, it's a crazy story that I just, it has to be said. So... Her next defining role, really, would have to be My Fair Lady in 1964, at least in my opinion. Um, Most people probably won't know it, but, you know, if you do, you do. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen it yet. I believe it's on Netflix, though, right now. A lot of people are watching it, and they've been talking about it. I know it's on Netflix, and I believe it's on Amazon Prime for uh, Prime members. It's one of those movies, I've seen it, but it's been a long time since I have seen it. So, I don't know too much. I know of the movie. I really want to rewatch it because um, it's loosely it's loosely based off of a play, isn't it? Musical. M- musical. Musical. No, I My mean, Fair th- Lady was a musical, but the story from... It's complicated. That's just complicated. Everything is adapted by something. Back yes. in the day, during this time, there were some that were more creative. Unlike today, I'm sorry, I'm going to get into it. Unlike today, where everything is a freaking remake or adaption from a book. There is nothing, apart from La La Land that came out a few years ago now, there is nothing purely creative and brand new. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're totally fine. My Fair Lady, though, is actually a musical adapted from a stage from a musical stage production that that musical stage production was adapted from a stage play and the stage play was Pygmalion I just remembered that makes sense so that happened a lot (laughs) yeah so it's a real complicated long story uh actually have you ever seen Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen with Lindsay Lohan so long ago i don't remember anything the story that they do in that play is a loosely based thing off of pygmalion so actually if you watch that show 
if you, I mean, if you watch the movie, it's so funny because it's basically like they're doing a modern adaptation of My Fair Lady because mm-hmm. My Fair Lady is an adaptation of Pygmalion. So it's a weird, like, convoluted, like, craziness. They That movie also plays around with, like, uh, like things of, like, Marilyn Monroe. It does play around with the look of Audrey Hepburn. So, I don't know. Watch that movie. Actually, like, knowing all this stuff, it's so mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um, but, yeah, back to My Fair Lady. There was a casting dispute when it was originally being cast because... Julie Andrews actually originated the role on Broadway in 1956. We love Julie Andrews here. Oh, yes. We all know that. (laughs) So. Queen of Genovia forever. She was not offered the role of Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Like, how can you not? See, that's the thing that just blows my mind is if they're the star in the Broadway show. They should automatically, I think, they should automatically have it on the film if they want it. If they decline it, fine. But I think they should at least be offered it. Want it, and they're still, like, I think if it's, if they want it, yes. And if they could still reasonably play the part. Because. Yeah. I mean, if it's, like, 20 years later. Yeah, that's what I mean. But if it's, like, a year later, then Yes. And at least, like, in some way, like, even I've seen, like, movies and, t- and like, adaptations of things where, like, they do it years later, but maybe they bring somebody back from, like, one of the old, like, movies or, t- or like, something yeah, like that, and fine. they do that. Like, honestly, like, in a mm-hmm. weird way, shout out to the new West Side Story because they brought back Rita Moreno to oh, do some God, kind of part her. in it. That way, like, pay homage to something. Yeah. And Grace Live brought Frenchie yes. back. Oh, yes. I love her. Like, in some way, I think that's okay. But they did not offer Julie Andrews the role. Audrey Hepburn was considered the more bankable actress. So they knew that if they put Audrey Hepburn's name on this, they could make money. I mean, they have a point there. They're not wrong. Like, don't be wrong. Julie Andrews, Julie Andrews is a She wasn't well-known at the time. She wasn't, realistically. Oh. She was well-known on Broadway, but in... But, but I, I know how the story ends, and yeah. it turns out for the most amazing end. Oh, it's, anyways. It's <laughs> amazing for Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But Audrey Hepburn actually asked you know, them to give the role to Julie Andrews because she she realized, hey, she's probably better at this than I could be sort of thing. Like, don't get me wrong, Audrey Hepburn is insanely talented, but no offense, but she doesn't have the singing voice as Julie Andrews had at that time. Obviously, she doesn't have the same voice now, but um, so yeah, she eventually was cast, but her vocals ended up being dubbed in My Fair Lady. Of course. The voice you hear singing in My Fair Lady is not actually Audrey Hepburn. It is a really famous uh, woman who's well known for dubbing a lot of musicals, a woman named Marnie Nixon, who we will probably mention a couple more times. She dubbed Natalie Wood in West Side Story. Um, Did you not know that? (laughs) I think I did know that. (laughs) I was going to say it's a, like I'm trying to think about it, but I'm like I'm like yeah. I was gonna say that's pretty well known. Like Natalie Wood, she was pissed 
by the way, like, mm-hmm. she insisted in the next musical that she did that, like, she wrote it into her contract, basically, that she had, that her vocals got used. Because um, I feel bad because they make all these celebrities and stuff train, but then they just dub over their voice. So what's mm-hmm. the point? And then the dubbed people never get the credit. That yeah, they and then the dubbed too. people never get the credit. Like, I'd never heard of Marnie Nixon before I did all of this research. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, honestly, like, Audrey Hepburn had singing experience. She had sung in uh, the movie Funny Face. So, she she had experience. She had training. But they still dubbed over her. And it is reported, it said that when Audrey Hepburn found out, she uh, stormed off the set for the day. <laughs> um, which is not, little, like, little attitude. Fair, yeah. But mm-hmm. I can't say I blame her. Oh, like, Absolutely. You do all this stuff. You... They do it without your consent, without your knowing, exactly. or without a heads up. Yeah. And my whole thing is, like, if she wanted Julie Andrews to play the role, like, I would be like, why didn't you just give it to Julie Andrews? If mm-hmm. you're just going to dub over my voice, this is stupid. Yep, true. It's so true. So, again, if you know where the story is going, um, we're about to get into that. So, Audrey Hepburn was not nominated for the Oscars that year. Everybody thought that she was going to be. She was nominated for a Golden Globe and the Film Critics um, Circle Awards. But she was not nominated at the Academy Awards. Julie Andrews was for Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins came out at the same time. Guys, you gotta watch her speech. It's so funny. Yeah, so basically when... Julie Andrews didn't get My Fair Lady. She basically then got Mary Poppins. So it kind of worked out really well oh, for absolutely, because now she's Disney royalty. She's Disney royalty. She has an Oscar. She's she Disney is... royalty twice. Freaking Mary Poppins and then Queen of Genovia. Exactly. So it's, it's absolutely insane. The pure drama of it is just weirdly fantastic because I just think it's so insane like to go through all of this have Mm -hmm. your voice be dubbed have all of this craziness happening and you don't even get nominated for the Oscar and the person who you wanted to play who genuinely probably should have played the role got the Oscar got the nomination but it all worked out because we have everything Like, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Because imagine if we got what we wanted and Julie Andrews was my fair lady. Mary Poppins may have never been a thing. It may have never been as great as it was with Julie Andrews. It may have never been made. Who knows? So everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So then 1967 came around. And so Audrey Hepburn decided to semi-retire so she can focus her time more on her family now she still did movies here and there of course because as a passionate artist you can't stop working it doesn't work like that in our bodies (laughs) in our brains in our hearts it's not a thing so that's why semi-retirement worked well for her Mm -hmm. so yeah she she decided to basically devote more time to her family around then um but actually in 1960 she ended up divorcing um, her husband, Mel, um, after 14 years of marriage. Um, and then 
actually met her second husband in June of that same year. So I assume the divorce happened either earlier in the year or late 1967. Um, met her second husband, who was a psychiatrist named, and I'm pretty sure it's not pronounced Andrea, but I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, uh, it's possible. <laughs> Dodie on a cruise. So they got married in January of January 18th, 1969. And then uh, she had another son, Luca Andrea Doty, on, in February in 1970. Um, but both actually were unfaithful in the marriage, <laughs> apparently. Um, so they split after 13 years uh, in 1982. And then she basically had like a, she basically had like a life partner. Uh, for from like 1980 up until when she uh, eventually passed away um, with a man named Robert Wolders uh, and she basically considered them married like they weren't they were basically almost like common law married mm-hmm. like in that kind of way um, and she has been quoted as saying these were the happiest years of her life Aww. so she eventually met somebody who she was able to be with for the rest of her life technically <laughs> yeah oh it's so sweet yeah but another thing we know audrey hepburn for is all of her humanitarian work mm-hmm. she loved children yes that was a really big thing later on in her career yep so in 1989 audrey hepburn became an ambassador for unicef And at least to me, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people, she's probably one of the most notable celebrity faces for UNICEF. Um, But yeah, that was a huge passion of hers because she loved children so much. Um, And actually, she donated all of her salaries from her final projects to UNICEF. Oh my god, that's that's amazing. I mean, she didn't need the money at that time. (laughs) She didn't need the money, but like, it's still... But you know that's people great. nowadays you never know yeah i mean like i would love to be in that position where it's like i don't need this money and just like help other people like that that's what i would really love to do that's a huge and she'd gone through so much in her earlier years mm-hmm. that that probably was so amazing to her like to be able to eventually end up giving back in such a huge way so as the unicef ambassador she did several different trips uh around the world so her first mission uh, was to Ethiopia in 1988 uh, to visit an orphanage uh, to basically send food over there. Uh, and then in August of 1988, she then also went to Turkey uh, to help campaign for people to basically get uh, immun- immunizations, like shots, Um Later toured uh, Central America, met several different uh, leaders and things. Um, In October 1990, she went to Vietnam for, again, the same communization and uh, clean water campaign. And then in 1992, she went to Somalia, which this was really close, actually, to when she uh, would eventually pass away. Mm -hmm. Um, So in September 1992, she... Uh, went on a mission to Somalia and she was almost like she was like scarred from how bad that was it was yeah she's she basically was saying like it was almost like apocalyptic 
Like, it was that bad at the time. Um, so, yeah, as Christina said earlier, she loved working with kids, loved taking care of kids. Um, and people were genuinely really surprised that, like, these kids could be, like, filthy and malnourished and all these things. But she would still go up and, like, hug them and play with them and all these things. And I don't know if that was just something people weren't doing, which sounds really sad to me. <laughs> Well, I mean, at that time, too, actually, the 90s, remember, in the 80s, they had the AIDS pandemic, and oh, that was yes. very heavy in Africa, and I was talking to my mom about this, too, a little detour. Mm-hmm. When you talk about AIDS in America, you talk about the gays having mm-hmm. AIDS, but it's a whole different story over there. It's women and children having AIDS in Africa. It's, it has nothing about being homosexual. It's just a disease that you got. And at that time, people were like, you have AIDS, stay away, don't touch me. Yeah, it was a big Which thing. has nothing to do with AIDS because it's um, transmitted through, like, blood and whatever. Well, there was that other whatever, really but... famous picture of uh, Princess Diana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, yeah. it was a big deal when she just touched somebody who had AIDS. Everyone was like, exactly. wait a second, what? But she did that so that she could show people, like, that's not how AIDS is transmitted. Exactly stupid people so yeah so that could be another gigantic reason why people are like oh my god it wouldn't surprise me but yeah so even with all of that though and how bad that trip was um she still actually had a lot of hope for like the future and how things would be um she said that taking care of children has nothing to do with politics i think perhaps with time instead of there being a political politicization sorry I don't think I said that right still of humanitarian aid there will be a humanization of politics which dang (laughs) that's powerful so as I said earlier that um, that Somalia trip was really close to around the time that she ended up passing away Uh, she ended up Uh, developing a rare form of abdominal cancer uh, and actually died on January 20th, 1993 uh, at home in her sleep. So she passed peacefully. Mm -hmm. Um, But she, I think she was probably at least at stage four already because they they caught it late. They caught it really late. So, you know, at that point, like, she it's went terminal, chemo yeah. and she had surgeries and things like that, but at the point that they caught it, there wasn't mm-hmm. really too much they could do. Um, but obviously, they tried. They did everything that they could, you know, but um, she really only lasted like a year after they caught it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Less. It was definitely less than a year. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think she, she didn't know about it on her Somalia trip. I think they found out after that. No, because it, it, when I was reading, basically when she got back, she started having like a, a like abdominal pain sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they found it. Yeah. Yeah. And then a bunch of tests. Everything's inconclusive. Nothing wants to give you straight answers. She's currently buried in Switzerland at the, and I know I'm not going to say this right, Tolo. Tolo Chinaz, I I don't speak any other languages, guys, as we already said. Um, she's buried in Switzerland. She's buried in Switzerland. There you go. That's what you get. Um, <laughs> so, buried in Switzerland. Um, several flower arrangements were sent um, to her grave uh, by people 
like Gregory Peck, Elizabeth Taylor, um, and actually the Dutch royal family also sent of course. Uh, floral arrangements to her grave. Um, but obviously, she left behind an insane legacy and has received several different recognitions um, throughout her life. Um, she obviously for legacy, she's had many different biographies written about her. I know that there is a Netflix documentary at the moment um, on Netflix about her. I did watch it. It's pretty good. Mm. Very interesting. Different. I have not watched it yet, but I am very much looking forward to it. It's interesting. It's not too long. It's nothing crazy. Um, but I liked it. Um, so there is, she has, she has a couple different charities and like, Mm -hmm. uh, different things run through UNICEF, run through UNICEF sort of thing. Um, there's the Audrey Hepburn Society, uh, which is actually chaired by Luca Doty, uh, who I, is her son. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty awesome. So yeah, post-death, um, the Academy Motion Picture Arts and Sciences awarded her the Jean Herschel Humanitarian Award. And in 2002, at the UN Special Session on Children... UNICEF unveiled a statue at the New York headquarters of Audrey Hepburn, and they call it the Spirit of Audrey, which is just another thing I need to see in mm-hmm. New York. Let's just add to it. Why yep. not? I'll have to remember to add um, that now. <laughs> and UNICEF ended up uh, basically creating the uh, Audrey Hepburn Society, which later uh, Luca Doty decided to chair she even uh received a presidential medal of freedom by our american president george hw bush and very exciting pretty much the highest achievement any artist could ever achieve is becoming an egot now if you don't know what that is it is an artist who has won an emmy a grammy an oscar and a tony Mm-hmm. All the highest awards for performances you can ever get. There's like and 16. 16 there you go. people. There's a lot of people that are close to it. Oh, yeah. It's coming around, but. But at the moment, 16. Which yeah. is pretty insane. It is. I Honestly, I thought it was more. I thought it was like maybe 30. I thought but... so too, but I the one that, ones that I could find, it only said 16. So I might just hmm. be miscounting. But even 30 is like yeah really small <laughs> like, yeah keep it in like a hundred years of the past like yeah the past 100 years of film yeah uh, it's crazy yeah it's the highest achievement anyone can ever get it's crazy yeah no and she has it mm-hmm. and i was actually i was curious what she won um because i know she obviously she won an oscar mm-hmm. for several different roles and her tony theater you know for several years so the, the Oscar and the Tony made sense to me. Yes. But I I was so curious because I was like, what did she win an Emmy and a Grammy for? Um, but actually, um, in 1992, uh, she released a spoken word album uh, called Audrey Hepburn's Enchanted Tales. Oh. Um, where she basically just read like stories and like children's stories. Oh, with her iconic voice, yeah, I'm not surprised that yeah, she won a Grammy sense. for that. Absolutely. Um, 
but she won a Grammy for that. So that's where she got her Grammy. Um, and actually, the um, sorry, the Emmy. She actually won that after her death. Okay, I figured um, it'd probably be something for uh, like later in her years. Yeah. So she, um, obviously, while she was alive, she. Uh, started filming a PBS documentary series called Gardens of the World with Audrey Hepburn. Hmm. Um, but it actually began airing on January 21st, 1993. Oh, wow. So, wow, so she became an ego after she passed off. Yeah. That sucks. She died she didn't know that January 20th. The show started airing the day after she died. Mm. And she won an, an Emmy the following year for the show for outstanding individual achievement in informational programming. So she became an EGOT after she died, mm-hmm. but she's still <laughs> as well. She's ranked number three on the American film Institute's uh, list from the golden age of Hollywood for women. Number three, like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's in like all of the golden age. Like that's pretty crazy. Yep. Um, and she is on the International Best Dress List Hall of Fame. Of course. Style of course. icon, guys, back in the day. She is 100% a style icon. She was a different type of femininity for people. Like, because you obviously, you had, like, the Elizabeth Taylors, the Marilyn Monroe's of the time, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But she really was a different kind of feminine. Yeah, she she was a lot more simpler, so it was a lot easier for people to emulate her. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a different time. You had people before her who were like, who were basically like the Marilyn Monroe, Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. They were more curvy. They were out there. They were a little bit more sex they, icons, basically. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. where she was the complete opposite, really. Yeah, she more conservative, like proper, sweet. Yeah. She came off like as a princess, more, like in like, Roman Holiday. Yes, basically, <laughs> those roles were very like well suited to her. Yeah, sixty three, short, but she lived a lifetime. That's for sure. She got to do a lot with her life. Just all the stuff that she did. It, this is I mean, it could of it. It could have ended when she was a kid with World yeah. War Two and the malnutrition and everything. It could have ended much shorter. Literally. Mm hmm. But. Here we are still today talking about her movies and her humanitarian work. She lives on. And everything that she has done. But yeah, so happy 92nd birthday to Audrey Hepburn. Obviously, her legacy lives on and will continue to live on because these movies are not going anywhere. And they're, they're classics, complete classics. Complete classics. You show them in film schools. Mm-hmm. Film. I I've taken film classes in my community college, and I've had to watch different sequences from things like Breakfast at Tiffany's. My Fair Lady was another big one that I had to watch little clips of. So th- her movies will live on, and in turn, so will she. And I think that's beautiful. Well said. Thank you guys for tuning in to our special happy birthday Audrey Hepburn episode and make sure you guys tune in to next week's episode, which is yet another special birthday episode. 
So if you've done your research, you can probably guess who it is. There's a lot of May birthdays, like we said last time, but you can probably narrow it down to who it is. It'll be another grand episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely excited for this one. I, I was excited for this one, but I actually don't know that much about the celebrity. Uh, I don't know as much as at least as much as you do. So I'm excited to learn some more. <laughs> I'm very excited. I know a lot, but I'm very excited to just dive on in again. <laughs> but so yeah. Th- thanks, guys. And we'll see you next week.